Welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. Foreshadow is a Christian literary magazine, and this season, our theme is Songs of Ascents, Pilgrimage and Worship, exploring the journeys we make in search of wholeness. I'm Will, and today, my guest is Mr. Pete Kelly. Pete. How are you doing? Welcome to Forecast. Thanks, Will. Good to be with you. So, Pete, right now, I think you're in a place that you're not normally. Uh, so tell us a little bit where you are right now, but then also tell us where you are normally and what sort of things you are up to normally. Well, this is a special week for our family. I'm in beautiful Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I have an um, adult son, Hayden, who is getting married this Saturday. Wow. And- so we're up in Madison, um, uh, rented a house on a lake up here, and uh, we're enjoying the, the cool Madison weather for the week uh, until the wedding on Saturday. Awesome. Um, but I'm usually in Tampa, Florida. Um, Tampa going, like the rest of the nation, going through a real hot summer. Um, I was actually born and raised in Tampa. It's where I spent my career and raised my family. Um, uh, I'm married. Um, my wife, Sue, and I have a daughter, Leslie, our second child and our oldest, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, she has two children, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So we're at that phase in our life where we're, um, have the pleasure of, um, playing with grandchildren, which is a new experience for us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Pete and I, uh, met each other through the Hyde Park United Methodist Church and Pete is amongst other things also a guitar player and so we've had some some good times jamming in the past and being a part of some projects especially in that weird pandemic season of projects that involved you know send me a video and we'll stitch it together and some odd yeah it was uh it was quite we all had a, a lot of learning curves I think in that time but it was uh Pete was a part of a great team and is continues to be a part of a great team of people down there that really uh, love their community and do what they can to give of their talents and time. So uh, it was great to know Pete in that context. And and Pete uh, is also uh, listeners will have heard briefly and sporadically in the past about my fishing habits. And so uh, <laughs> Pete, is, Pete is an enabler of such habits. And so uh, Pete uh, ha- has gone out uh, and taken myself and a former guest of the podcast, Greg Jordan, out a couple times now on his boat. So that's been been a good time. And uh, we, uh, we we love Pete for that and uh, always love trying to tell the fish to jump on our hooks. I know that. <laughs> well, you know, the fishing is truly a passion of mine, as it is yours, Will. Um and it's more than fishing. It's just being out in nature and enjoying yeah. the outdoors and the water is so great. And and Hyde Park has been, Hyde Park United Methodist Church has been part of my life even before I started playing guitar. And to be able to merge both both my love of music and playing guitar, you know, as part of my faith journey has been really rewarding. That's awesome. Well, speaking of that faith journey and outside and nature and uh, things of this nature, uh, it's my understanding that you've recently uh, been on something of a journey outside. And this season, we've been talking about pilgrimage. And that's been defined in several different ways. And people have articulated several different 
means and modes of pilgrimage thus far to date in our uh, podcast series. But uh, you've been on probably one of the most famous ones. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your motivation for wanting to embark on a pilgrimage, what what pilgrimage even means to you or or is. And uh, where did where did that happen? And we'll I'm sure unpack a lot of the details along the way as you uh, tell us. Sure. So let me just say where it came up. I have a very close friend um, named Steve that came to me, um, uh, you know, sometime maybe four or five years ago. And um, uh, he's a little older, just a couple of years older than I am, but we're he's in a different career. But we we both were at a stage in our lives where we're kind of, you know, let's say at the tail end of our respective careers. And so he said, you know, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to retire, but in 2021, I want to um, do the Camino de Santiago in Spain. And I, I if I had heard of it before then, I it, it didn't really resonate with me. And, you know, he was talking, this was probably uh, 2018, and we're talking about a trip in 2021. So my reaction is, sure, whatever, you know, three yeah, years yeah. from now it goes. Um, and the more I studied it, the more I became really intrigued by doing it. And um, uh, so we set about planning it. There was a, um, uh, a, a I guess, a, a club in the Tampa Bay area that helped people prepare. We went to some of their meetings. We learned a little bit more about it. But um, for your listeners, this is one of the oldest pilgrimages, um, the Christian pilgrimages. Um that starts at uh, St. John Pied de Port, which is a little French town just on the border of Spain in the Pyrenees, and runs um, east to west to Santiago de Compostela. And it's a it's a pilgrimage and it's a route that has been in use for for about a thousand years um, as a means of pilgrimage uh, pilgrims Christians showing their faith by taking a journey to the um, um, cathedral there where it, it is said the remains of St. James are interred. And St. James um, uh, uh, preached and um, uh, a lot in Spain, and he's very revered in that country. And um, you do it on foot. And, and there was something that, that really intrigued me about that, especially the point in my life where I was, where I welcomed the opportunity, you know, to, to, to reflect, you know, to um, think about my faith, to think about all God has done for me in my life. And so um, it just appealed to me and, and it just seemed to fit well, both in terms of the, what we were doing and when we were doing it fit into my life. And, um, my wife was very supportive, even though it was going to mean to cover 500 miles, basically takes six weeks. Yeah. And um, so I, without getting too long winded, well, what was kind of funny. So the week before we were to leave, my friend comes over and he says, and we're all packed. We've made all our arrangements. He comes over. And he says, Pete, you realize we can't do this. This is insane. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I said, well, we're committed. So, I mean, he was being facetious, but. So, uh, but that was the beginning of our journey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I, I love the, 
the notion of this sort of life inflection point. You you, you kind of mentioned coming to a place in life where you have things to look back upon. And I know, as you sort of mentioned, as and as listeners can sort of infer, you talked about being a grandparent, you have some, you know, some miles behind you, I suppose. That being said, um, I, I'm sure there's something very relatable and transferable for, for any and all of us really um, as a, as a place, as a starting place to, to pause and, 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 or to plan to pause. I, I like that idea, you know, that you're, you've planned an opportunity to inflect and to reflect. Uh, there's this point where you want to, rem- I guess, remember and, uh, and, and, and think about that. Talk a little bit about that experience while you're out there then, uh, and, and embarking upon this, there seems to be, have been a desire to reflect, inflect, to, to take stock of who you are and where you were and what things were going on. And you talked about, uh, gratitude as being a theme that seems to have been important. How did that go? What was that like while you're out on the, out on the, on the path? Well, the greatest thing, and anyone who is, you know, who has walked the Camino, um, understands that it's all about, you know, all the different personalities and people that, mm. you know, there are, you know, I chose to do it when I was 65. Um, and, uh, the reason why I didn't choose to do it sooner was mainly, I didn't know about it sooner. I might've considered doing it an earlier part of my life. Um, but the people that we met along the way, the pilgrims, pellegrinos, um, range in age from 18 years old to, um, over 80. Wow. Um, so there were people and, and there were, and people were doing it for all different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, many religious as an expression of their faith, mm-hmm. um, uh, cancer survivors doing it to give thanks, um, mm-hmm. cancer survivors who are still afflicted that we're doing it as a way of enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people that have been through painful divorces, no, all these, all these, everyone had issues in terms of either that they were trying to reconcile in their life mm-hmm. or that they were trying to give thanks for. And that, you know, camaraderie and fellowship, you know, of, of experiencing that, over six weeks was something that, you know, people can take a lot from no matter what stage of life you're at, whether you're 18 or you're 88. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it was when I was 65, but it was, you know, all types. So, so our journey, if I'm not jumping too far ahead, well, our journey started in St. John. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up being there where it was off to a kind of a rocky start. One of our packages that had our trekking poles, um, got returned to Tampa for some reason, never made it there. So we had to spend a day rebuying a lot of our provisions. Dang. Um, and when you walk the Camino, there's a couple of different ways people do it. You know, you can either take all your belongings on your back, mm-hmm. um, change your clothes, rain gear, um, you know, or, or people that are less able, you can have them carried by porters from one um, hostel that they call albergues to the next. Um, my friend and I, you know, we chose to carry our, our, everything with us. We wanted to be, um, uh, we didn't want to, it was part of the journey, part of the sacrifice to carry. And it wasn't that large. It wasn't like, 
backpacking the outdoors. Um, you know, our packs were probably 18 to 20 pounds, nothing really too, too difficult, but, um, but immediately, um, we started in September, which was a great time to do it. It was warm in the day and cool at night. And all the vineyards that we passed along were just rich with grapes, just a beautiful sight. And so we started St. John, just the two of us. And, um, uh, the interesting thing about this is called Camino Francais, uh, is how they refer to this particular Camino uh, pilgrimage. It starts in the Pyrenees. So you have one of the most difficult days in terms of elevation change at the beginning. On top of that, we had, um, just a driving rainstorm and a sleet storm that we hiked through that first day. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So it was an interesting first start. And the, and the thing about the Camino, uh, especially if you don't have unlimited time and we had six weeks to complete it, is when you get up in the morning and if it's raining, you put on your backpack and put your poncho on and head out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, but um, so that was the beginning. And what was interesting, I, I don't know what is typical, but I'm going to say uh, on any given day, anywhere from 50 to 150 people start. Wow. It's saying, um, it may sound like a lot, but this is spread out over many miles. So it's not like you're walking in a crowd, right. uh, but you do, you do see people and they're easily recognizable. Everyone carries a scallop shell, which is the symbol of St. James. So you can easily spot the pilgrims along the way. And, um, uh, but that day became kind of a rallying point for the group that started September 1st. You know, when you would meet people and ask where and when they started. And if they said St. John on September 1, they always had interesting stories about how they made it through that sleet storm on the first day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That shared experience that, uh, that that's interesting. That kind of keeps coming back. I think sometimes it gets talked about and we've had a few different guests who've done very um, and, and in some ways I, w- I, I don't want to mischaracterize their responses but their beginnings and a lot of their pilgrimage journeys have been these very individualized things uh, that maybe in some senses have brought them to a, a broader sense or appreciation of the people around them or community around them. And that that is a recurring theme. Absolutely. The season. Uh, but it seems on this very iconic pilgrimage and you started as sort of, I guess, a, you know, a duo with your 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 friend that. And your your motivations, though, are still they start at this sort of, again, individual inflection point uh, or this desire to reflect and take time to think and ponder, I suppose, as you walk. But most of what not well, yeah, most, uh, if not a lot of what you've said has been about uh, meeting people and and having and, and having these really interesting exchanges and engagements and learning about people and understanding them and and uh it sounds like having them speak into your life and you speak into, into their life. I don't know how much, you know, dialogue happens and I don't know what language barriers happen with people along the way, but it's, uh, well, I'm, I'm really struck by that uh, communal dimension that seems to take, take place here in this Camino de Santiago. Yeah. And, and you know, there are, it, it's interesting. So you'll, you'll walk, you know, um, for hours with a particular person, you might not see them again for two weeks. Right. Uh, because- they stop at a different stopping point. Um, uh, they may have gotten a little bit ahead and then st- you know took an extra day off. So it's kind of interesting as you go, you kind of keep crossing paths with different people that you've met. Um, 
you, but you could meet someone on, you know, week four that started the same day as you and didn't, you didn't see until your paths crossed in week four, but, but there are also, you know, there are also long stretches just to yourself um, where you're not walking with people um, which are just as valuable to me. Um, you know, the great thing about walking the Camino is you've kind of rid your, um, you, for that period of time that you're making the trek, you've rid your, yourself of a lot of distractions. I mean, you're really living a very monastic, if that's the word, you know, life. I mean, you've got your belongings on your, on your back. Mm. Um, uh, there's no cars or televisions. You know, I did use my cell phone to do a little travel log for my friends mm -hmm. uh, on where I was and, you know, how I was doing. But but by and large, um, you know, it was a time for, you know, not only conversing with other people, but a lot of time for reflection. Just trying to figure out and, and sort out without the clutter of everyday deadlines and everyday commitments to figure out where you are and what's important to you and what you really want to do. And some people will can do that on the fly. I mean, we all do that to a certain degree every day. Mm. We finish every day and we reflect on what we did and what we didn't do and what we need to do tomorrow. But for me, you know, having the time, you know, away from a lot of distractions yeah, uh, to reflect on that was really important. And that's why, you know, frequently people that do that walk the Camino and make this pilgrimage. Um, you don't really see large groups starting um, in St. John. Now you do see large church groups that start and walk the last hundred kilometers, but in St. John, it's mainly singles and maybe, you know, a, 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 maybe a husband and wife, but you really don't see large groups. And I think part of it is it's probably hard to find a large group. That's crazy enough to walk 500 miles, sure. but, but it's also, um, if I was to give advice to someone who wanted to do this, it's better to, to, to not have the, the commitment that you'd feel to a larger group and, and really have this time to yourself, um, yeah. you know, to reflect and use it to think about your faith. And there's, there's also something that's very redeeming um, about walking a path that's been walked by Christians for so many years. Mm -hmm. uh, under extremely difficult circumstances, much more difficult than what that what we experience, um, and the you know the the shelters, the the um, hostels that you stay in along the way that people have been using for hundreds of years is just you know it's just something special and really adds to the you know the the faith experience that you're going through. Yeah, I imagine that's that's yeah, it's pretty incredible to to have that legacy experience and to know you're literally walking the path that people have before for whatever myriad of reasons. But you you join them and you sort of take on in some ways their experiences and some of their journey and some of their uh, some of their burdens. I guess you they're, they're they're shared. You can empathize, I guess, if nothing more. You can. And, you know, when you see these just enormous cathedrals and you see this tortured path that people have taken, um, you, you just appreciate the commitment they had to their faith and how important it was for them to do this and to make this expression and how good it was for their souls and for their faith to do it. And and that that's certainly, you, you know, something that that was a big part of my journey. You know, when you um, when you walk the Camino, really, for many people it's a metaphor for our lives. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's all about that journey. And that's why, 
I'll share one interesting observation. I'm sure. not sure if others would would have the same reaction, but for those of us that started in St. John, when we finished at, at um, um, Santiago de Compostela, everyone was, you know, had a sense of satisfaction, but they weren't jumping up and down and hugging each other and celebrating in a way, because it was, it was all about the journey. It wasn't about the destination. Right. Um, people that started in large church groups that, that did the last hundred kilometers from Saria were the ones celebrating, you know, having finished because their experience was just different. Yeah. You know, um, and and for those of us that 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 did the journey from the beginning, it, it was actually um, more sobering to come to the end mm. uh, uh, than anything else. Um, but that was just kind of that was my observation. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, that I, that's, that's good. I like that. <laughs> wow. Well, that's actually a good uh, kind of segues as well to really the. The last major question of this interview, and that is, what are some of the 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 texts or materials or and I say text and I tell this to all the guests and the listeners will have grown tired of hearing me explain this. But uh, when I say text, I mean that in the in the very open uh, sort of uh, interpretive hermeneutical sense, like a text as a person is a anything that's readable, uh, uh, an experience, uh, a song, a, a literal written text. What are some texts that uh, both inspired and sustained you along this uh, journey uh, that made it possible? What were some sources that that gave you fuel or challenged you or motivated you uh, along this path? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, um, I've always been an introspective person. I mean, this for me, this pilgrimage you know, fit into my persona. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always relished, you know, time to contemplate and time to think. Um, it wasn't, you know, I, I had, even though I generally enjoy good health, I certainly had knee pains along the way. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, every once in a while, my feet would bother me. Um, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of, people have explained to me that that suffering is just part of the journey and part of the Camino. So I was prepared for that. Um, the, the, the things that sustained me, you know, truly, um, was just the overall experience. I would say, um, I, I just felt so fortunate to be able to have done this. Um, I, I didn't want to take for granted the fact that you know, even though I hope to do another Camino at some point in my life, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take this one for granted. I didn't really take, um, you know, someone was asking me, did you have your head, your earbuds in? Did you listen mm -hmm. to music? And I said, you know, there's other times when I would do that, but that wasn't the time for me to do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to have my ears open. I wanted to hear what was going on mm -hmm. uh, around me. Um um, but, um, uh, there are some great books out there about the Camino. Um, I wish I could, um, tell you the ones that I read before I, before I did it, but, um, everybody's motivation and everyone's, um, uh, you know, experience is going to be a little different. I'm sure. not sure I've ever heard anyone who had a negative experience 
walking the Camino. Um, but in terms of the, the, the text and the nature that you put it, it certainly was a huge, it certainly was a, you know, very inspiring, you know, to hear all these other stories of, of individuals. Wow. And there were, tra there were difficult times. I mean, there were people who for health reasons had to stop after a week, after two weeks, after three weeks. Um, um, and they all had a, you know, they all had a story, but I, I, I really think you have to find these experiences in your life that are inspiring. Mm -hmm. I think anything when we're, we're always a different person when we're inspired and we have to find whether it's through our job or through music or through church, you know, what inspires us. And I was very inspired just by the stories and the commitments that all these other individuals um, made to be there. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so good. I, I, I don't have too many more things to, to ask, uh, beyond that. I, I, I would circle back real quick to you mentioning in, and this could be helpful for individuals who are considering something like the Camino de Santiago, which is massive and a big undertaking, quite famous, but it's, uh, for many, it would require travel getting there you mentioned at the beginning of the interview something I hadn't ever heard about, that there was some sort of like group or consultancy or something that had <laughs> in Tampa, no less, that you that it described uh, uh, what it would be like or gave you some precursory knowledge. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. And maybe that's something that people can look up or look into in their own hometowns. Yeah. So I think I think it was something called... Um uh americans on the camino or uh, camino I, I i'd have to um it, it's something along those lines and they have chapters all over the place okay uh and they have a chapter in the tampa bay area and we met um you know they have this was during when i did it in 21 some of the meetings were zoom meetings but they did have some outdoor meetings wanted uh one of the parks around the tampa bay area and um it was it was uh, very well organized and they brought out their packs and their equipment. They had all these do's and don'ts. Um, we learned just a lot of valuable information. We even had a, a little blessing where they gave us, um, um, you know, a scallop shell um, from, from their group to take with us in addition to the one we got in St. John. Um, but they were extremely helpful and and they're I, i'm sorry i can't tell you the exact name of the website but there are camino camino support groups all over wow where you can get you know real experiences from people who've done it and i will tell you there were so many things we learned from that group um you know for example i, I without getting too long-winded will you know you can't take enough clothes for 36 days so you take three sets of clothes, you know, best that everything is nylon. So it dries quickly. Yeah. Uh, and so every day, the clothes that you wore to walk that day, you wash and dry for the, you know, for the, you know, so it'll be clean next time you need them. If, if one of the things that absolutely was that their emphasis that do not take any cotton clothes, you know, at these hostels, there's no washers and dryers. You got to wash your clothes and hang them out and hope they dry yeah. um, before you pack the next day. But there are just all kinds of great, what kind of poncho to, 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 you know, works best. There were just a lot of really great tips that we learned along the way. And anyone considering, 
um, walking the Camino should see if they could find one of the chapters in their town. Absolutely. Wow. That's, I mean, that's so, uh, insightful and so helpful. I'm sure there will be people who, uh, jump at that. So, uh, Pete, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for taking time on your, your time away from home. And I hope you enjoy, uh, the Madison area, which I know you frequent, but I hope you enjoy the wedding and that that goes well. I'm sure it will. Um, and, uh, it's been a, a privilege to have you on today. Any, any parting words or thoughts, uh, you didn't want to, uh, escape without, uh, uh, offering. <laughs> well, well, look, it's always fun talking to you. Thanks for, you know, inviting me. Uh, I would just encourage your listeners if you have any interest at all, um, you know, and you're not sure you want to make the commitment, um, you know, uh, take a, um, four or five day stretch of the Camino. And just do that four or five days. I would encourage you not to do to the the last four or five days because I'm not you know the 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 hundred meters before um, Santiago de Compostela, but pick another another you know fifty or hundred hundred kilometer stretch and give it a try, and then you'll be able to determine whether this is something that that you would truly enjoy. Wow, cool. Well, Pete, thank you again so much for being a guest with us on Forecast. And with that, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you would like, uh, you can help write a review. Email us at foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com or connect on our various social media platforms. You can also visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other conversations. There you can sign up for a free newsletter sharing new work every week. I'm Will. And this has been the forecast for today. Thanks for listening.